At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm April Voki, and you are listening to Anchored. My chance to speak with some of the most influential people involved in the outdoors today. Join me as I sit down with my guests to learn more about their careers, opinions, history, relationships, and life both indoors and out. Katie Fiedler Anderson has been guiding for over 13 years. Based in Colorado, before becoming a fishing guide, she worked as a raft guide, video kayaker, rock climbing instructor, and high ropes instructor. Teaching in the outdoors is in her blood. A certified USCG captain, Katie takes fly fishing everywhere she travels. She competes in the invite-only Women's Tarpon Fly Fishing Tournament in the Florida Keys and also loves to reel in bass with her dad in Illinois. As mom to daughter Nixie, she's no stranger to the adventure of taking a child to the river or to the obstacles it brings. In this episode of Anchored, we discuss her short film, Phoenix, which tells the story of passion as Katie and her husband take a leap of faith in order to inspire their four-year-old daughter to chase her dreams. If you're looking for a gift idea for a child you love, head over to smileoutside.com. Smile Outside creates educational and engaging children's books covering dozens of species of fish and wildlife, along with conservation ethics. We absolutely love reading these to our daughter, and they still, after two years, are some of her favorite books. I cannot recommend them enough. Each book is bright, beautiful, and artistically illustrated in ways that depict the animal's natural beauty. Smile Outside also puts their money where their mouth is and generously gives 50 cents from each book sold back to conservation organizations. If you love the outdoors or love a kid who does, head over to smileoutside.com and use code ANCHORED10 at checkout for 10% off your entire order. So my name is Katie Fiedler Anderson. So Fiedler is my maiden name and I just, you know, felt like it was weird to drop that because so many people call me by my last name. And I didn't want to lose my identity. <laughs> Did you have to legally change your name to do that in America? 
Yeah. So I had to file the paperwork to add the name because it's a, it's different. Um, you know, and there's some days where I'm like, Oh God, is it worth it? And there's other days where I'm like, heck yeah, I'm Fiedler Anderson. Like I love when my kid calls my husband, Cooper Fiedler Anderson. (laughs) That's great. I remember I went to change my name too. And when I went into the government office, they said, because my husband's last name is Barrett. They said, Oh, you can just turn to April Barrett. No problem. We can do that right now. And I said, well, I don't, I'm not April Barrett. I'm April Vokey and I'm willing to hyphenate (laughs) my name and make it, you know, April Vokey Barrett, like my sister did. And they said, I mean, with her husband, not mine, obviously. And (laughs) they said, well, you've got to legally change your name. It's this huge process. And I said, so wait, so it's easier to just get rid of my name entirely than it is to hyphenate it. And they said, yeah, It's, it's madness. I feel like, yeah, it kind of bothers me though, that when you like look at history, like women are just kind of erased because they don't have their last name, like follow them. So that, that was like, it's a pain in the butt, but I felt like it was worth it. But you know, in the end, yeah, we're all going to die. It's fine. (laughs) Let's start with Katie Fiedler before we get to the Anderson part. Okay. So where were you born and raised? I was born in Belleville, Illinois, so Midwest girl, and I didn't leave there until I turned 18, and then I ran. (laughs) See, I like you already. I actually have a real soft spot for the Midwest folk. I've had nothing but great. Yeah, I've had nothing but great experiences with great people out that way. I really have been impressed by the people. So why why run? Um, I just knew that I didn't want to be in a city. Like the city never spoke to me. Um, I love my friends and family there. Like you said, great people, but I always wanted to like go on adventures and see things. And um, yeah, I had a friend living in Maine because our town was a military town. So I knew people that kind of lived in different places. So I had a friend living in Maine and she said, you can come live with me if you want. And I was like, great. I'll be out in about four days. And I drove my little car there <laughs> and lived in Maine for a couple of years. And then a couple of friends were like, Hey, we're going to Colorado for the winter. And I was like, great, let's go. And I drove my van to Colorado and I've been here ever since. So this is just kind of where I landed. Gotcha. So you were looking for just more openness, more wilderness. What were you looking for? Adventure? Yeah. Adventure. Um, Yeah, just something different, I guess. I had been in my town. I didn't travel much as a kid. So I was always looking for um, something exciting. Um, One thing I was really into was whitewater kayaking. So that was always fun for me to like go explore the rivers. And um, I ended up being a video boater, which nobody knows what that is. But I basically worked for a rafting company making tourist videos. Oh, okay. I do that out of my kayak. This was before iPhones and before like technology, like GoPros, (laughs) which makes us sound really cool that we know the time before that. (laughs) How old are you? I'm 36. Okay. Yep. Yep. That sounds about right. So, okay. So whitewater rafting. And then what about fishing? When did that kind of enter the mix? So fishing entered the mix. Um, Right out of high school, I got a job at Patagonia, uh, at like a retail store in Maine. And one of the like activities that they let us do there was 
um, like a casting field day. So one of the guys that worked at the shop was a, a fishing guide. Um, and he taught everyone how to cast. So then when I transitioned in the summer to work on the river, the cabin that I was living in happened to have an old fly rod sitting in the corner. And so I get all excited and I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I take the fly rod and I go to the gas station, which is like Barry's general store. And I buy whatever random flies I think look cute. <laughs> and I double over and hand knot everything on. Like it's, I think I had fly line directly like overhand knotted onto the reel. Um, it was like a whole scene. <laughs> uh, and so we would go fishing. Like I would t- tell all my friends, like, let's go, come on, we're going to try to catch a fish. And we would just do that in the afternoons because we didn't have anything. Like we didn't have TV. We barely had cell phone service up by the river. And that was just like our entertainment. Um, and I, you know, I, I knew how to cast slash I knew nothing. So we just had like the best time. At that point, did you make a decision that this was going to be your new hobby? And then if so, what was your next step? Um, no, I mean, I had no clue about anything. I was 19, 18. Um, so when I came to Colorado, I did the whole ski thing for the, like the first part that I was here. And then it was summertime and I was going to go back to Maine and I started dating this really hot guy um, who's now my husband. Okay. But, I was wait, waiting for it. I didn't want to be the one to say it, but yep. <laughs> no, we joke never, about it. Never know. <laughs> he was really cute and I definitely was really into him. So he said like, Hey, you can come live in my condo if you want to stay for the summer. And I was like, yeah, it's a little suspect, but that's fine. We'll do that. So I, found a rafting company to work for here and then he was a fishing guide and so I was doing my little rafting thing and he was doing his fishing thing and I kept like looking at him being like your job looks a lot more fun than mine (laughs) so we would go fishing obviously for fun and then um, eventually I was like hey do you think you could get me a job working as a guide and that's how I kind of transitioned into guiding um I had an interview with Jim Conda, who was running the fly shop that Cooper worked at. And Jim just so happened to learn how to fly fish from his aunt. So he kind of looked at me and he was just like, you might be a little bit of the underdog here, but like if Cooper's willing to mentor you, I'm willing to hire you. And I was like, sweet. Um, So that's what we did. Uh, Cooper mentored me and I started guiding and I never looked back from there. What was that like being mentored by your partner? And I think that's where I got really lucky with Cooper. Um, he's, I think you kind of have to know him a little bit, but he's super patient. Um, he grew up in this Valley, so he's super knowledgeable. Um, yeah. And he's just not, I think the biggest thing is he's not driven by ego. So where a lot of people in our industry are really ego fed, that doesn't work for him. Um, And I think I just got really lucky. So I I can see how it wouldn't work for a lot of people because those are the people that hire us to take them fishing because their significant other is driving them crazy. So (laughs) 
I understand that, but yeah, we just got really lucky. We have a good dynamic. Um, but it's the same thing with us, you know, owning a business together. People are like, how do you not kill each other? What about your first year as a guide? Do tell what was, what was your biggest challenge at the time? Um, I mean, my first year as a guide, you, you probably understand this. It's so nerve wracking. Um, yeah, like the I wouldn't sleep at night. I'm like, yeah, like it's like the pressure to prove yourself to your clients. It's the pressure to like go back to the shop and like prove that you're like fishy and just so much pressure. And then meanwhile, you're trying to learn and develop. Um, but I think when you're a first year guide, you really feel like you should know it all and you don't leave space to not. Um, so there's just so much anxiety and that took me a long time to kick that, like a really long time. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from not only did I have to prove myself as a guy, but I had to prove myself as a girl guide, just like a little bit more because, you know, I would have clients that would show up and be like, are you my guide? Like for real, are you just shuttling me to the shop kind of stuff? And I'm like, nope. You get me. <laughs> Did have you ever had anyone who was just absolutely opposed to going out with you? Oh yeah. Um yeah, I have like a handful of stories. One that really sticks out was I took these two young boys who were like nine and ten. Um, so very inexperienced and very young. And they I think they like moved one fish that day. Uh, like it like flipped out of the water and came off or whatever. And their mom called the shop and screamed at the, you know, the guy that answered the phone and was like, how dare you send my boys out with a girl? And, you know, like just reamed them. And I was just so shocked that, that was the angle she took, um, you know, and then I had to hear all about it from the, the person who took the phone call because they were traumatized. But it's just stuff like that where you're just like, wow. Or like I've had guys where like I tied a San Juan worm on and they didn't want to fish with that fly because it was pink. And he literally looked at me. He's like, no offense to you, but I can't fish with this. Um, so it's stuff like that where I'm like, really? That is so strange. I mean, the mother, that's a psychological, there could be a million things there. She could have thought that maybe you're like their downgrade or just someone's wife. Like she could have thought that she was getting ripped off. Which is a problem in itself though. (laughs) Oh, big time. Oh, we're going to cover all of that. Just wait. I mean, that's a big reason why we're sitting down. Um, Mm -hmm. she could have thought that, you know, how dare you let this other woman play a mentor in my son's lives, which is also Mm -hmm. strange. Like there's a whole lot of psychological craziness in that call, but the pink fly, I mean, so what were they thinking that you were using pink because you're a female yeah this is I love telling this story just because it's funny um because it was three guys from Texas so they had a nice little twang to them um, but he's like no offense to you but I'm not fishing with this girl fly <laughs> um, I'm like okay and so I ripped the fly off and I stuck it on his waiter strap and I was like you know, and his buddies are like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. He's so rude. I can't believe this. And I'm just like, what, you know, 
I'm like, when you decide you want to catch fish, I'm like, tie that on. And I just took his friends because they were being cool. And I just left him and he like walked himself to the other side of the river and he was like totally fishing in a separate section. And, you know, and I'm just like thinking in my head, cause I think I was like a third year guide at this point. And I'm thinking like, I'm definitely getting fired today. Like, I think I might've taken it too far. <laughs> He's definitely going to complain about me and this is the end for me. So I might as well enjoy it. <laughs> so I take his friends over to the, to the other bank and we start fishing and thank goodness they just start wailing on fish and I'm talking just like every other cast like boom 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 and I'm like woo, <laughs> you know extra <laughs> cheers extra loud and I see him with his head down for a while and then he starts fishing again and he hooks a fish and he looks with up the at me. pink fly that was on his waders by chance. <laughs> yeah. So he looks up at me from the other side of the river and I'm just kind of watching him because I, he doesn't have a net. He doesn't have, you know, anything. And I, he, I've just written him off at this point. And he's like, Katie, I caught one on the girl fly. <laughs> <laughs> and I just kind of wave and I'm like, great. <laughs> And but I watched him like stumble around and take the fish off. But it's like, had the fishing not been good that day, I wouldn't have been able to change his mind. Right? So thank goodness it was. And I think where it gets hard is um, because the days do often end up successful. Maybe not necessarily right. catching fish, but eventually you prove yourself in one way or another. Right. Whether right. it's via just simply being cool or whether it's that you take the rod to do a cast and you're a better caster or you get them into a fish or you get their partner into a fish, whatever it is, the day ends up being mm -hmm. successful. And so a lot of time that initial couple of minutes is overlooked. But mm -hmm. I think that those first couple of minutes as a female guide can be really damaging. And even though the day eventually comes right and everyone forget, you know, forgets about those couple of minutes or they're overlooked, or you might even get an apology later or a pat on the back saying, you know, sorry about that. I don't know what I was thinking, but they still happened and they yeah, still my, my play with your yeah. mind. My favorite is the, can I take a selfie with you? Because my friends back home are never going to believe who my guide was today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all those little things, they start to slowly pick it, you know, look, there's, there's ups and there's benefits to some of that. So I know for me, I was booked a lot of the time because people just wanted to see if I was legit people for, right. for the sake of 500 bucks for the day, two guys or gals to split 500 bucks to see if April Vokey was legit. It was worth it for them. And, and so it, in that situation, it was a benefit, but it still was a ton mm -hmm. of pressure and there were awkward moments. So, so before I bury myself in this topic or risk anybody tuning out, can we just talk about the, the film that you recently put out and then this yeah. will all make, make sense. So tell mm -hmm. me about this, this film and how it all came to be. So the film, um, came the, so the Breaker brothers made this film, um, and they so happened to be two of my clients when I think I took them out when they were in high school, they came into the shop and I was just like, Hey, like, how's it going? What kind of day do you want to have today? And they were like, seriously. And I'm like, yeah, like, what do you guys want to catch? Like, like all the water was great at that point in the season. And I'm like, what are you looking for? Like, are you trying to catch big fish? Or are you just wanting to catch something? And they're like, well, 
kind of shy, like, all we really want to catch is a brook trout. And I was like, that's it? I'm like, let's go. <laughs> so I took him to Gore Creek, which is just filled with brook trout, and they're all, like, super hungry. And, I mean, I think it took us, like, 10 minutes, and they each caught a brook trout. And they were like, this is the best day ever, like, just having the best time. And they're like, do you mind if we take a picture with the fish? And I'm like, not at all. I'm like, as long as you guys keep the fish wet. And I kind of walk them through all those steps. And they're like, yeah, we'll totally do that. They're like, we've never had a guide that let us take a picture of a fish. And I, that's not how I operate. So yeah, I'm like, please take a picture of the fish. Just don't, you know, torture it so much and put it back healthy. And then we went and caught some brown trout on the Eagle River, and we had a great day. So they called me. Um, they're now into filmmaking. And they were, like, so sweet. They're, like, you you were our favorite guide ever. And we'd love to do a video with you. And I was just, they're, like, do you have any stories? Or do you have anything that you think would be, like, a good topic? And it just so happened that I, you know, I'm when they called me, I was like year two of my business. And I just started my, my own business, just had my baby just went through a lot of like dramatics, um, to be in my, in this industry. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, I have so many stories. I'm like, where do you want to start? So we just like, I kind of told them everything that, I had on my mind and they were just kind of like, wow, we can definitely make something. Um, so we made the film called Phoenix and it was about becoming a mother and, um, being a fly fishing guide and kind of my journey in that process. That was a really long answer for a short question. <laughs> no, no, it's great. So what, I mean, what, so what happened? So you decided obviously that you were going to become a mom. And you mm-hmm. had a baby. And mm-hmm. did you have any concerns going into motherhood about your career? A hundred thousand percent. Um, so for people who don't know, I think it's important to like explain like a guide roster. Um, and so our roster was seniority based, um, supposedly, right? So it's seniority based. So if you've been guiding for three years and somebody's been guiding for five years, like they get whatever trip comes into the shop first. Um, if somebody's been guiding for 10 years, they get the first trip that comes into the shop. So it's all based on seniority, with the exception of at my shop, it's kind of like um, if you don't guide for a season or if you like leave the table, you lose your seat. And you have to like start over again. So Cooper and I had already gone through that. Um, We lived in the Keys for a summer just because we wanted to chase tarpon. And we lost our seat at the table. So we had to like start all over again. Um, And that was like a massive financial hit. So there's there's a lot of layers in that. Um, Shops can kind of control you in a certain way because even if you go to another shop you're starting over right you're just coming to the table if you stay at your shop you're just you know you don't want to lose those years you've built um so when I 
was thinking that I wanted to have a kid, I would sit down with the managers and I would be like, Hey, I want to have a kid. What does that look like? And can I get something in writing that says that I can have maternity leave because we are independent contractors. So in the state of Colorado, we aren't guaranteed maternity leave. We're not guaranteed any benefits, any, anything. Um, And even this, roster and the quote unquote rules aren't guaranteed. So it's really tough to have a career where you have no benefits and you're just kind of at the mercy of whatever shop manager is running the show that year. And the shop managers would change like every year um, because it's not a very high paid position. And it's just not something that people stick with. Um, at least in my company for a long time. So I would always be like new manager. I'd be like, Oh, Hey, can I grab a coffee with you and talk about like, if I get pregnant and I would always say, can I get something in writing that says I can come back to my spot? And they would always say no. So just flat out. No. Yeah. Yeah. They would say, we don't do that or we can't offer that or, um, you know, I'd always be like, can you talk to somebody higher up and see what they say? And I would have meetings with them and they're just like, yeah, that's not how we run the company or whatever it is. So how did they run it? If somebody had to leave for the death of a family member, any sort of grievance, did they? Um, I think if you left for like a week or so, like something like that, it's fine. But if you left for a season, if you weren't there for a summer, um, it's like you, like, it's like you died. Right. So, um, it's kind of like whatever you did before that, who cares? And it was super aggressive at the shop. And there was a lot of, I think, ego involved because it was run like that. I always called it the hunger games. I'm like, I'm like, we're all in the hunger games here. I'm like, who's going to fight who for whatever trip. And I just, it just, isn't a great um, feeling to love your job so much, but then also just hate how it's run kind of the same way. Did you try going to another shop? Yes. Um, I looked at going to other shops. Uh, One shop said that they would hire me, but I could only guide females. Um, What's the logic behind that? Was that a safety thing or was yeah what what was the logic there uh, I don't know you know it was like at that at that time it was a new shop in town and I looked at the guy because I my jaw dropped to the floor when he said that and I was like I can guide men too and he's like yeah I just don't see that happening um I think his logic was that men wouldn't like that or wouldn't appreciate that um so I think we've come a long way since then I don't think any of the shops in the valley currently would say that to me Um, And I looked at going to another shop, but the position they offered me on the roster, I just financially, you know, to lose out on trips is, you know, this is my livelihood. This is how I make money. So to go to the bottom and not have full-time work or, you know, really it's seven days a week work that I'm looking for. It's not, it's not worth it. And just to confirm, you didn't want somebody to pay you any sort of compensation or or maternity leave. You just wanted a job to be there when you came back. Yeah, I wanted my exact position. I didn't want 
the guides below me to take my position. And then I would have to start like five spots down. Right. Um, so the that, obvious that equals a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Right. So obviously you guys have to start. I know for me, I'd be thinking, fine, well, screw it. I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to take this mat leave to market the hell out of it so that when I can, you know, get my mm-hmm. baby in order, then I can hit the water. So is that what you did? What was your next step? Um, so the tricky thing about Colorado is it's heavily permitted. So every river co- requires um, a specialty use permit and it's run by, in our area, it's run largely by the Forest Service and then the BLM, which is um, Bureau of Land Management. So those are the two entities. And then there's a lot of smaller entities um, in between that. So like Town of Avon has a stretch of water. Um, Colorado Wildlife has a stretch of water. Like Town of Vale has some water. So there's just all these entities and they all, they're all permitted. So getting those permits is kind of the nightmare in this industry. Um, we were definitely denied some of the larger permits um, because they're already allocated to like maximum usage. Uh, so that was kind of like when we started looking at this business, that was the scariest thing is I'm like, okay, I'm used to guiding all these sections. And if we start this business, are people still going to want to fish with us if we can't guide on like the busiest section of a Colorado or whatever it is? Um, and, you know, flash forward to now, now I know like, yeah, it's fine. But when I started, I was like, oh, gosh. I need these permits (laughs) and you feel like you can't. Yeah. You feel like you can't. So we were able to get a handful um, of permits. And once I had my child and I realized that the shop, you know, wasn't going to put me back in my position. um, I was like, I looked at Cooper and I was like, we got to go. It's time. Like we got to try it. Your own so company. Yeah. Yeah, right. Before we go into that, did you look into any of those insurance policies? I thought that there, I swear there's some sort of new guide insurance policy. Oh, but it would have been before. It would. This would have been after. Because how old's your daughter now? Four. Yeah. So at the time, was there any sort of insurance or any sort of package or compensation that you could have gone after or applied for? No. No. Because... As an independent contractor, which is what the shop hired us as, we have no benefits. Like we don't qualify for unemployment. We don't qualify really for anything. Um, And we're not protected under the laws either. So it's really interesting trying to be a human and also be a guide because it's really, they're not set up to work cohesively. So when you decided then to break free, I'm assuming you told the shop, what did they say? Um, they, they just kind of were like, bye. Yeah. Um, I, I think they weren't surprised at that point because I had been pretty vocal about how they were treating me. So, you know, I mean, they weren't surprised. They right. were, I think if anything, they were like, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now we don't have to listen to her anymore. Um, 
but it just goes to show you, you know, I had spent, gosh, like 12 years at that point when I started this business, um, working for that same shop and just completely disposable. You know, I had built their women's program and done women's clinics. And, um, I was kind of the face of, um, Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Like, women, them being, like, female-friendly um, on the outside, but then in the shop, it was just like, there was just no love. Yeah, that's hard feeling disposable, because that's exactly what you are, though, right? I mean, guides, unfortunately, yeah. in the guide industry, a, a lot of guides are kind of disposable. I mean, because there are, are. So, so many right now. Especially, yeah, in Colorado, there's a thousand people that want to be fishing guides and that are willing to, you know, be independent contractors and give up their summer and work seven days a week. And um, it's great. It's hard work. It's rewarding work. But I think at the end of the day, I had to do a lot of self-talk to myself. um, And I had to really picture myself talking to my daughter if she was in my position to really like wrap my brain around it. And I'm like, why am I letting some shop guy who has been in his position for two years define my worth? Uh, like when I go out with my clients, you know, as much as I talk about the the lame clients, I have amazing clients. Like I have met some of the best people, you know, that I'm so grateful for that wouldn't fish with anyone else ever like they they they're my clients they've become my friends they're they send me all kinds of business they're loyal to me and I'm like why am I letting this guy define who I am why don't I let the people who are actually paying the money speak you know and why don't I just listen to that voice so I kind of followed that route a little bit more and they were all telling me like yeah definitely start your own business definitely go down that road and like you got this kind of thing. Okay. So on a more positive light, so you and Cooper get together and you're like, all right, we're doing this. We're going to start our own business. What was the first step in making that happen? So first step, getting the permits. Um, I think we kind of knew like, you know, as a guide, you're really doing most of the work as far as guiding. So that part wasn't scary to me. It was just the permits. So when we were able to get a handful of permits and then things at the shop were so bad, I was like, it's finally, was just like, 
like the universe was screaming at me like, Katie, start your own business. <laughs> um, and I knew I had to make a choice. Like it was, I could go find a different career and, you know, do whatever and make whatever money and have a, you know, regular nine to five job and benefits and whatever, or I could do this. And I'm looking at my kid and I've, I just decided, I'm like, I could never tell her to not follow her passion. And I would never want her to, to trade her passion in for a nine to five job. I'd want her to take the risk. And even though it was seemed really risky and scary, I was like, I would want her to take that risk. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Um, because I didn't think I could look her in the eye, you know, 20 years from now and tell her my story and feel okay with not have taking that chance on myself. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the, that's how, how it came to be. Cause there was definitely a part of me that was just like, go work a stable job you know, do that. That's what a lot of people do and just be happy with that. Yeah. Cause there'll be people listening right now who totally are on board with the shop and that's just the reality of it. They're going to say, look, whether you're in serving or whether you're in hospitality or whether you're in sports, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who say, well, that's just how it goes, sister. Get bumped to the back of the line, right, wrong, or otherwise, you know, but, but what you're saying though about not being able to look your daughter in the face and, and, and know that you kind of betrayed yourself resonates with just as many people who don't feel that way. So like, for example, Mm -hmm. so my, my mom was big into horses and Mm -hmm. now she is again, thankfully, but she was huge into, you know, riding show. My dad flew an airplane, like a little hobby airplane. And when my sister and I were born, my dad sold the airplane and my mom sold her horse. And I, I don't want to say I never forgave them for that, but I always looked at them differently, you know, because to me, they were so, they were so cool. They were just so unbelievably interesting. Mm -hmm. And then, and then that, that actually scared me as a mom later. Cause I did think about that go, you know, as an adult thinking, well, they had these amazing, amazingly interesting lives and they felt like they had to get rid of them when they had my, me and my sister. Why? Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's one of the reasons, same as you, I, I was, I was afraid to have a baby. And then when I did, I thought hell or high water, I'm not, I'm not giving up what I'm doing. And it used to infuriate me because people would message me and be like, oh, you know, they just assumed that since I had a baby that I wasn't fishing anymore. And meanwhile, I was out there. I probably fished more with Adelaide those first couple of years of her life, you know, with her on my back than right. def- definitely than I do now while I'm running, you know, a m- membership community. Uh, and it was just infuriating to me because it's so backwards. It's just, but it's it's an assumption that comes from a lot of, unfortunately, fact. A lot of the times, you know, people, parents, mothers, and fathers feel like they have to put their hobbies and their passions second to their their children. Mm-hmm. So it's it's tough. Yeah, it is tough, and I think it's tough, like when you become a parent and you realize that you're not going to be able to give your kid everything right? Like that's, that's a hard reality. Like I can't give my kid everything, but you know, I can give my kid this and I can be an example for her. And, you know, that's really what I have to give. And if that's all I have to give, then I'm going to give her the best example 
that I can. Um, and I'm going to, you know, fight this fight for her. And the other part of me, I'm like looking at her and I'm like, God, what if she wanted to become a guide when she turned 18 and I didn't fight this fight now, or I didn't speak up or I was too timid because there was definitely a part of me that was, um, saying like, Katie, just keep your mouth shut and keep it moving, which is kind of how I had operated for a very long time. and. You know, thank goodness she came along because um, I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah. I mean, it is easier to keep your mouth shut and just prove everyone wrong, right? And I think a lot no, of us have, have done that. And I admit, look, I watched your video and I watched it and I thought, ooh, girl, I would never do a video like that because I'd be too afraid of the backlash. And then I had to sit back and go, well, April, <laughs> that's part of the problem. So, you know, it takes a lot of guts to get out there and do that. But at the same time, it's, well, there is no at the same time. It it's just takes a lot of guts to get out there and have that sort of conversation. Have you had mm -hmm. a lot of other women reach out to you who have been in similar situations? Um, so it's starting to trickle in. I think with this film, um, I've definitely had women really in guys too, but like women that have come to me and said like, Hey, I'm in a similar situation. How did you navigate it? Um, and you know, it's part of this is female driven. And the other part of it is just how we operate our guide system in Colorado, which I think is completely backwards. And, you know, I, I fish in the keys a lot and I look at like the Florida keys guide association and kind of some of these things that are established to take care of these guide communities. And I think that that's important as well is that I think some of this is female, but a lot of this is just how the, the guide pool and these people who make fishing their livelihood, how that's managed. and. Um, you know, a big part of me has always been like, we need to start a union. We need to like have like a Florida Keys style, like guide association. We need to have like, everyone needs to come together. Um, is there not know. in Colorado? No. Mm -mm. Nope. There's no guides association. Nope. There's one in, I think it's Wyoming that just started. That's kind of taking over the mountain region as far as like a guide association and, um, but it's super new. I think it's like, it started with COVID and it's kind of starting to take off a little bit, but it's, there's so much more that could be done for people that give their lives for this career and they just have nothing to really work with. I mean, the pandemic's showing that as well. There definitely needs to be some sort of support. And I think a lot of people roll their eyes because they're like, oh, well, it's fishing. That's not really a job. You know, you hear it all. That's that's fun. I yeah. wish my office was like yours. And it's like, well, at the end of the day, enviable or not, it's still a job. And it's still yeah. a lot of work. And it still requires some respect. And it still requires the respect of, you know, certain rules and, dare I say, legislation. There needs, I think that there needs to be, I think that every state, every province anyway, needs to have some sort of guides association, some sort of rules, regulations, um, you know, penalties even, 
but guarantees, insurance, there just needs to be more done. Yeah. And I think, you know, I get, get the question all the time is like, oh, I want to be a guide. How do I do it? And without being too salty, I just kind of tell people, I'm like, just so you know, if you want to be a fishing guide, like your first five or six years, you're going to have to have another job. You're going to have to have like, go work your trip and then go into a restaurant at night and do what you need to do to actually make money to support yourself to be a fishing guide. And so I think that's something that's not talked about or glamorized as much. Um, But I had a very long tour in restaurants before I was able to just be a fishing guide, you know, for, for the season. And I still will pick up jobs here and there in the winter time because I'm not like cranking out trips right now. Um, So I think there's, you know, like guiding is glamorized, but you really have to pay a lot of dues to like make this your thing. So what do you want to see changed in the fishing industry specifically? I've always... I've more recently tried to stay away from a lot of these conversations just because I, like I said, I like to just work hard and show people otherwise. Right. But this is kind of one of those conversations where you can't really do that. I mean, you can, we could all just have our babies and work hard and show the world that we're strong mamas, but it shouldn't have to be like that. I don't want this to be a conversation that is poo pooed or something that is, you know, um, seen as inappropriate or sexist or, controversial. I want it to be able to, I want having babies and having a family to be something that's normalized. And what, what is your message? I guess I don't have a question there. That's more of a statement, but what is your message for the fishing industry? And then we'll talk about your message to other parents. Um, I think my message for the fishing industry is just, you know, I think what I love that the industry is doing is it's starting to show women. Um, and even when this video came out and it's in the fly fishing film tour, you know, it was, there was this post that somebody post on Instagram and they were like, I'm so happy that there was one female led film. I wish there were more. And then there was like a thousand comments about like, yeah, I wish there were more. Um, so I think I love flipping open, you know, the Drake and seeing like the first five pages have females in it. I love the features that we're seeing and I want to see more of it. Um, I want to like, I think the women are here and I think that the women, there's enough women that have the experience and the leadership qualities to like shine the light on them and as a whole as a community like that's what I want to see more of in the fishing industry and I think those ladies are there like there's so like you are the perfect example like I've followed you for a very long time I've followed your career I've followed Camille Eggdorf I've followed you know Meredith McCord I've followed all these ladies and I you know I kind of know them and they're like you guys are all awesome you guys can fish. You guys have done really cool things. You guys have found your own little nooks within the industry. And that's awesome to see. And for someone like me, who's just a fishing guide, you know, like I look up to that and I, I love that there's this pool of women 
that are kind of quote unquote making it in the industry. And that's kind of all I ever wanted was just to be in this industry and kind of find my own way. And so I think I love to see that. I love when companies showcase that. And, you know, there's plenty of guys that I've heard say, oh, they're just showing them because they're women. And I, you know, it's like, well, no, actually, like April is actually really kind of badass and she catches a lot of steelhead and that's not the case, <laughs> you know, or like Camille Agdorf. Um, I was in a casting competition with her one time and I just remember watching her get up and cast and I was like, oh my gosh. And I'm like hitting my husband and I'm like, did you just see that? That was so good. <laughs> and it's just like things like that where I'm like, I'm just like, these women are so cool and they're not getting this attention just because they're female. I guarantee that. Well, while you're talking, everything's kind of rushing back to me because Adelaide's four now and it's all kind of rushing back. I remember, this is going to make me sound kind of psycho, but I remember being pregnant and I traveled the world pregnant. I went to Seychelles, Dubai, New Zealand, everywhere in America, Norway. I'd have to check my, I'd have to check my list, but I, I remember I was pregnant and I thought, my life's about to be over. <laughs> I'm going to do, I'm going to do everything. And so, um, and I know, cause I made all these videos for Adelaide. So I'd be in a boat somewhere in, on an Island and I'd be like, Hey kiddo, four months pregnant today. <laughs> but you know, we're out here, we're, we're giving it a go. And so I remember stock, yeah, the yeah, Christmas Island, I was supposed to go to Russia anyway. So I was, I was compiling all of these photos though out of desperation because I was so terrified that for the next year of my life that I wouldn't be able to do anything that people would forget I existed and I'd become irrelevant or something stupid. And so yeah. I was taking as many photos as possible in this folder. I, I totally forgot about this till now so that I could for the next year, basically pad out my life and still be existent. And I look back and that mm-hmm. I didn't end up doing that. Actually. I, I just ended up just, living my life normally, but, um, you know, with a little bit more breastfeeding here and a little bit less sleep there, but everything just kind of stayed the the same. But I was so afraid of having a baby that I was trying to set myself up for, I was trying to pad myself. And I look at a lot of my girlfriends here and they're having their babies and they've got their mat leave and they don't have to organize any of that. Like, of course they have to organize and make sure someone's going to take over their role. But my girlfriend just went back to work after mat leave and Oh, hang on. Nope. She went back and was demoted. That's right. She's mega corporate. She -hmm. went back. She went back. She was head honcho and they had to sit her down and let her know that she now, one of her juniors was now her boss. So she was also bumped down. So it happens in other industries as well. A hundred percent. It happens in other industries, which is why, you know, it's, we put, fishing on this thing it's not just a fishing problem right it's not the fact that things may are a little more are challenging for women it's not just a fishing problem um but when you know we're all interested in fishing so this is just kind of the story of how it looks in fishing yeah no you're absolutely right you know in norway they've got leave for both the father and the mother yeah, that's Nor- so bomb. <laughs> they're lead, they're leading the they're leading it. 
Because it is something too, this does happen with, with men as well. Not obviously it's not as polarized as with, with the women, but there are a lot of dads, whether they're single dads or uh, maybe there's, you know, uh, maybe there are more than one child. And I know a lot of the dads can be impacted this way as well. Like this is a pair, this is a parental thing. I mean, your husband would have felt it, right? He would have been feeling this like income impacts the whole family. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. And just the baby itself, like, geez, any new parent will tell you that just that first year of your kid's life is like you are put in the washing machine and hung out to dry. Like it is rough. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel, I feel bad that the the men don't get some kind of like, I don't know what paternity leave. That's the word um, as well, because it's rough, you know? So I, mm-hmm. I'm like four years in, I'm still waiting for like eight hours of sleep in a row, but yeah, no doubt. So with business now for you guys, how does it look? Do you guys, um, switch off? I was inter- interviewing Mia and Marty Shepard, not that long ago. And I know we were talking, so <laughs> they're awesome. And they were talking about this. I mean, they decided that Mia wanted to be able to spend more time with Tegan, their daughter. Mm-hmm. And so they went into guiding together and Mia spent, you know, just like us was out there with their baby on her back, just getting it done. She wasn't guiding with, with Tegan on her back, but she was out learning the water and practicing and getting better and all that fun stuff. And, um, I know that they, as a couple made the decision that they were going to go into guiding because they wanted to spend more time with their daughter. Just for anyone who, whose counter is, well, why don't you go get a nine to five? Well, having a nine to five actually gives you less time with your kid in a lot of situations or in a lot of, you know, instances. Yeah. And I've always been big on personally, I feel like I want to raise my child. Um, you know, there's like a, a lot to do with how I grew up and that feeds into that. But at the end of the day, like my strong instinctual feeling is that like, I want to be really involved in my kid's life. Um, so I spend as much time with her as I can in the winter. And in the summer, I, you know, I'm working six days a week and I make one day, especially that's like just her and I, and then, um, you know, a lot of the trips I do are half day trips. So I'll get her in the afternoon and we'll go do something fun and, and try to make the most of like the other half of the day. Um, but you know, no lies. I haven't figured it out a hundred percent yet. I'm just kind of winging it. (laughs) I've never been one of those people that thinks about it really hard beforehand. (laughs) Do you have any resentment towards the, the fishing industry or are you, are you seeing the light through all of this? Um, no, I don't. It's just, that's not how I operate. So if I wouldn't have had somebody kicking me out of my seat on this roster, I wouldn't have started my own business. I'd still just be thinking about it, you know, but I would be in the safe spot. So I'm grateful. Um, super grateful that things worked out this way, you know, I, that's, that's just the bottom line. I'm super grateful. I'm grateful for my clients, um, who, you know, kind of restored my faith in what I'm doing and that I'm good at what I do when maybe I I was not feeling that in other areas of my life. So I'm super grateful. And I think at the end of the day, it's all gonna work out. And, um, 
you know, what we're, what we're learning and what we're doing, um, I think is all just gonna like create the result that we want if we just keep the right headspace about it. Yeah. Um, it, Cause at the end of the day, like, you know, we all love to fish and fishing is fun. And that's what I always tell my clients. I'm like, let's just not overthink this. We're going to have a fun day. And that's how I want to like view my life. I'm like, let's just not overthink this. Let's just have fun and do our best. And then just like keep it moving. Can people see the film and where can they see it? Yeah. So the film is currently part of the fly fishing film tour. And that's playing kind of all over the U.S. And there's a bunch of locations. So, yeah, I'm excited. I still haven't seen it in Phoenix. My daughter has not seen it on like a big screen because they're all playing on like these like awesome venues, like big screen style. So I'm really excited for that because I just want I want to see her face when she like sees her little self. On TV or on on that big screen. Yeah. Before I wrap this up, is there anything that you would like to add or to ask me? Oh my gosh. I feel like I just want to, like my whole motivation and my whole like underlying like thing that I wanted to convey in this film is that we're having fun and we're fishing and this industry should be fun and it doesn't have to be so down, down, down. Um, and I just, yeah, I want to see more lighthearted stuff. I want people to be happy. Um, and I want, you know, the people in my industry to be taken care of. And so this doesn't come from a place of me hating men or, you know, poo-pooing the shop that I worked for or whatever. It just comes from a place where I see the problem and I think we should talk about it because I think it can be done differently. Um, and the more, you know, the more we talk about it, the more we'll come up with better ways and we can still have fun and laugh and joke around while we do it. So that's kind of like my whole motivation is like, let's just have fun and not overdo it. You know. Yep, I gotcha. Well, and, I, look, I wish I feel, I wish that and I could. You, add, I have a questions for you. <laughs> well, I feel bad because I feel like I need to really step up in this particular conversation. And obviously, as you can see here, I'm sick as a dog, and I'm sniffly and disgusting, and my brain's probably not working as fast as it should. But I don't. I've been so out of guiding. I've been out of guiding for so long. And I've never been a guide and a mother at the same time. So there might be people listening right now who are disappointed that I'm not weighing in more here, but I don't, I've never been in that situation. I mean, I I remember being afraid to have a baby. I remember practice or planning my career for after baby, but um, yeah, guiding and, and motherhood never overlapped. So I don't even know where I can contribute here. Yeah. Um, but I think you've definitely pivoted in your career which is something that I really respect about you and that I've kind of followed, you know, when I first started guiding, you were on the cover of like every magazine, every fishing magazine. And then you, you know, you have your online business and you have your podcast and you were like with Patagonia for a while. And I have just like followed you. 
still am. I love yeah. Patagonia. But but I, I had made the decision to stop guiding because I always knew I would do 10 years. And then financially, mm-hmm. I, I just wanted, I was always going to pivot, motherhood or not. Right. So, the pivot is what I think is impressive to me. Oh. Um, motherhood or not, it's the pivot. And I think you you can outgrow things and you can see them for what they are. Um, and the pivot to me is the interesting part. And so that's where I really respect you is that, you know, when you were on the cover of all the fly fishing magazines, um, that was really cool because that was the media that we had. We didn't have Facebook and Instagram and really, you know, like I didn't go to the internet for my fishing stuff. I would go to the grocery store and get a fishing magazine. Um, so that's how I found out about you and like Patagonia was, it was like, I obviously worked for that company and just following all their environmental initiatives. I started seeing you in some of their ads and I was like, Oh, that's, that's good for her. I like that. And, you know, then moving to podcasting and like you really created those pivots for yourself and there was no roadmap for that. And that's really amazing. Um, And that's where I think this industry is going is everyone's going to start pivoting a little bit as the world changes. And that's, it's super interesting to see how that's, that, that all works. And yeah. Yeah. No, the pivot is huge. It's funny too, though, you know, ironically enough, I woke up this morning, obviously sick and Adelaide is really sick. And most times I would have just canceled the podcast that we had scheduled today. But I thought to myself, yeah. no, nah, she's a mom. Like she gets it. If anyone's going to understand that we're going to be interrupted by a toddler, this is someone who understands. And and so there is that kind of not bro culture, but like mom culture, right? This like, you know what I mean? You know what it's like? You walk down the shop and you see the toddler throwing a tantrum and you kind of like, moms have this look at each other like, you're good girl. Yeah, I'm good. Like we just can look at each other and kind of yeah. know what the other one's thinking. And, and it is really just parents, <laughs> parents in general. Yeah. 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 But it really, it's just, I just thought it was so ironic that today, the reason I didn't cancel is because you're a mom. Like I just thought it was, it was so ironic because I am, I was getting really exhausted. I did work corporate for a while when I stopped guiding, um, in the outdoors. And I was feeling really, I had to hi- almost hide that I had a child. I left that corporate gig thinking I'll never go through that again. I don't ever want to feel like that. And then the pandemic hit and we started to normalize this whole working from home. You know, we all have dogs, we all have children. Yeah. And it started to get to the point where it was really cool. I talked to, you know, certain tech guys or agents and they'd be like even a real estate agent, you know, back in the day they'd be in the office and now you can hear they're taught they're having a breakdown. And it was really cool to hear these guys that I'd only ever seen in suits and fancy cars um, be normal. And, you know, they'd be apologizing profusely. And I wanted to be like, dude, that's how my life is all the time. I'm always having to pretend like I don't have children, but it's okay. We're, we're, we're human and we have lives outside of work. And obviously you can't let it impact your professional, uh, your professionalism, but the pandemic has helped to kind of bring all of that to light and let us all be a little more tolerant of each other's situations. I'll tell you a funny story. I remember breastfeeding Phoenix and she and I went to Florida and I was fishing in the ladies tarpon tournament, which by the, I don't know if you, do you tarpon fish? 
Yeah. A little bit, not like, not to the extent that you guys have. Yeah. I just, you, I would love to see you in that tournament one day. Anyways, that'd be so fun. The, The ladies there are like, it's like a group of badass women and it's, so amazing to just be in that room and be like, Oh my God, they all love fishing. They're all really awesome. And it's definitely like the highlight of my year to go to this tournament. So I was down and I fished with, um, captain Jeremy Fisher. So he's my, my guide. And I had just had Nixie and his wife, um, happened to be pregnant. And so we're out fishing this tournament and I like, I have to pump. Like there's just no getting, there's no getting around it. And so (laughs) I've never been more like every other time I had pumped, I'm like, you know, in a closet or in an office with the door closed. Like I'm just, I have my space, but when you're on a flat skiff, there's just, there's nowhere to go. And so I just remember being like, okay, I need to pump and I just have to. And I'm like, just look that way. And so I get all the stuff out and I hook myself up and then I turn it on and it's just like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm dying. Like I'm just dead inside. I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) And like the only way I can justify this is that his wife, Erica was pregnant and I'm like, I'm just preparing you. I'm like, but, this is so awkward. I'm amazed that you had the pump. I mean, I've been in business meetings and I've had to excuse myself to the bathroom and I'm sitting there with my hands just doing everything to try to like, you can, you know, you spraying it in the toilet. I'm surprised you had your pump yeah. with you. Well, I mean, I, I knew, I knew that the tournament days are like eight hour days and like, we don't stop and go to the bathroom, let alone stop yeah. and pump. So... <laughs> it was like, I, wasn't, I wasn't gonna be like hey can you drop me on the nearest island and <laughs> come back in 20 minutes so it just it had to be what it was and that, but I think it it's good doing that up. stuff does I mean I've got several episodes where I've uh, brought about half a dozen episodes where I've been podcasting while breastfeeding um, Miles right. Nolte was one of them Justin Duggan I think a couple times you can hear the guys say something about it, but you have to normalize it to some degree. Obviously there's a level Mm -hmm. of comfort with certain people, but, but uh, yeah. And I can always like high five the woman who was normalizing it. But when it's yourself doing that, it feels some type of way, you know, it just feels (laughs) like you're a lot more exposed than you ever thought you were going to be. Yeah. So, you know, it was definitely a moment and it, it makes you think, right? Like kids don't stop, they don't slow down and they're not going to wait for you to figure it out. Like you just got to do it. Right. But it's all the more reason why it's nice to have more women in, in fishing in general, Yeah, you know, more guides. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm pretty open with other women. And so I know if I was in a flats boat, I'd be trying to conceal myself. But if I was in a flats boat with another woman, like if I was in a flats boat with Diane Rudolph or Diana Rudolph, I would just be milk out, not thinking much of it. Yeah. So I'd be, it I is, would say something like, hey, you want to try it? Right, right. Like <laughs> if it was just me and you. <laughs> so it's nice. And it's no discrimination on the guys. It's just that it's nice right. to have a little bit of, you know, um, female backup. So we do need to get some more women in the sport, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, encourage each other and keep it fun, right? I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Perfect. Well, listen, we'll wrap it up. Um, I hope that nobody took offense to this episode, but unfortunately, you know, it's just the reality of life. We'll see how it it changes. I'm very curious to see if there will be some sort of a guides association and if there would be something like mat leave um, implemented into it, because I don't know, I'd love to hear what the, what the response is to people who are against it. I'd love to hear why and, and what other industries they'd compare it to. So Mm -hmm. I think it's it's a good conversation. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Katie, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, April. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Likewise. And that concludes this episode of Anchored. Thank you for listening. Next week, I'll be sitting down with the one and only Trevor Kovich. to go like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.